0: I'm
1: Everybody and welcome to a penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until eleven o'clock uh, this morning. We began today with a short conversation with uh, Seth Fine. He's the producer of the uh, Pygmalion uh, Music Festival. Begins today, lasts all week. We'll talk to him for a while, then an open line up until uh, ten o'clock. Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the News Gazette, will be my guest during the second hour. Lots of things to talk about today. You just heard on CBS News the, the awful happenings in Mexico and, and Puerto Rico with a yet another hurricane, things going on in London with arrests in connection with the Friday's bombing and all kinds of President Trump stories this morning, of course. And uh, we'll uh, take a a quick break first, get uh, Seth on the line. This uh, Pygmalion uh, Music Festival is much more than a music festival, we'll uh, find out. Lots of things going on. We want to make sure everyone uh, listening knows uh, what's happening and uh, how they can get a schedule and all those kinds of things. We'll talk with Seth after this quick break. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Seth Fine uh, joins us on the phone. Good morning, Seth. Morning, Jim. Hey, this is a busy day, huh?
2: It is a busy day, but you know, it's not my first rodeo, it's my 13th year, so it kind of feels less busy every year somehow. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but it gets bigger and bigger every year.
2: It does, but you know, you just adjust, and you got, you know, I've got the support of a lot of, um, you know, long time friends and staff that we've been able to retain, um, people that come back into town who have moved. Uh, to continue to help um, work and process the festival. So, you know, there's a, there's kind of a, a calm that comes over you at a certain point. When you look over and you see your friend Kenneth or Ryan or Vanessa, and it's like, well, they know what they're doing. I probably don't need to worry about that. So
1: um, it's helpful. That's a good feeling, I'll bet. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the fact that this uh, so-called music festival uh, – I don't know if you'll ever want to change the name, but it's a lot more than music. As I uh, look at yeah. the uh, the activities, there's all kinds of things going on.
2: Yeah, well, the truth is, Jim, is that we, we actually did change it. It was Pygmalion Music Festival for the first uh, 10 years of its existence. And in 2015, we made the call, changed the name of the website, changed the name of the branding, to just call it the Pygmalion Festival because it had become a misnomer. We added a literature component uh, with the Department of English and my best bud, Caleb, um, in 2013, and my wife developed a craft handmade fair called the Maid Fest in the same year. And so when we added that, it was kind of like, well, it's called Technillion Music Festival, but it's now we're presenting authors, and there's a whole craft fair. And then in 2015, um, with our uh, vice president, Patrick, and the help of Research Park especially and great companies like Wolfram and Volition and um, a lot of different uh, innovative and uh, tech-based businesses, we developed a what well, is a tech component. And with that, we also added a food component. And so now it's five components each. And so there's a lot more than music, and that was kind of the intention. You know, as much as I am primarily focused on the music component, and that's how I came up, I very much recognize that it's it's not for everyone, and um, certainly the kind of music that we present is not for everyone, but the hope is is that by broadening the scope of Pygmalion that more of the community comes and sees what we have to offer and what we're doing.
1: Well, I looked on uh, your uh, bio and it says uh, producer of the Pygmalion Music Festival, so that's uh, why I've been saying that. Oh, sure, no, <laughs> no
3: question, yeah.
1: Uh, so you, uh, you say you're playing a different kind of music. Uh, what kind of music is it?
2: Well, you know, it started out, when I started in 2005, you know, indie rock, as, they, you know, was, as the term is, is um, called, was really coming up. Um, it was kind of like the aughts version of alternative rock in the 90s. And it's just what I came up on, and it's what I knew how to present. It's what I knew that kids liked. And at the time, I mean, I was kind of a kid. I was 24 years old. And so it started off as an indie rock festival through and through. And now throughout the years, you know, it, 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 it still has indie rock, but it's changed. We've been able to incorporate a lot of different genres that have, been, have become, you know, um, more popular with college students, high school students. Because, you know, what we really want more than anything is for this festival to continue to, um, you know, represent what youth culture is into. And so we've added a lot of hip-hop and a lot of EDM. Um, not a lot, but some, when EDM is electronic dance music. But we've also tried to get into experimental, um, you know, uh, and uh, jazz elements. Um, we, we tend to stick into types of music where the artists are focused, you know, purely on their own songs. Uh, we never do any cover bands. We only do... Um, Music that is written and produced and performed by the artist. So um, it's pretty. It, it, it's it's fairly broad, but it's all. It, it's hopefully threaded together by that idea.
1: How do we find out uh, when and uh, where all these uh, these events are? Do you do you have a uh, brochure? You have a website, or a, how, how yeah. can I tell people to uh, to look for them? You start tonight, yep, so, right?
2: Yep, uh, it starts tonight at Fifty One Main in downtown Champaign, and tonight. Is a performance by a wonderful local act called Duke Law, and then we're presenting, um, then we're presenting um, a a perform it's not a performance. It's a presentation um, called Pachakacha, which is at its 20th volume or 25th volume, um, and that is uh, 12 speakers over the course of a few hours that present with uh, slides that uh, talk about something that they're doing in the world. And then it extends into the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday at the Center with an amazing author, George Saunders, um, and uh, and, uh, two performances in the Festival Theater. Then everything moves to downtown Champaign on Friday and Saturday. um, Right uh, on Main Street between Chestnut and Walnut, an outdoor stage on the street, an outdoor stage behind um, 51 Main, and then utilizing both 51 Main and Memphis on Main as venues as well. It's, it's pretty much all laid out at thepygmalionfestival.com, pig, the And you, know, you can click Schedule, and it'll show you every single thing that's happening at every single you know, venue throughout the weekend. And you can click on each one. You can click on different components, click on each artist, click on each author. And it should take you to a place where you can listen to the music or read about an author or learn more about a craft vendor. Um, it's hopefully laid out in a way where people can explore pretty easily.
1: Uh, what interests uh, me, uh, just uh, from what you just said, is uh, these uh, people that talk for, what, it's 20 minutes and 20 slides, right?
2: Yep, that's right, the Chaka <laughs> It's, a, it's a, it, I know it's a funky name, but... Um, and, uh, and who? You know,
1: these are on all different uh, topics, uh, just whatever people all, want to talk yeah, about? Yeah,
2: all different, all different topics, and um, I wish I could um, uh, relay them all to you right now, but the truth is, is that... Um, that is being produced and presented by that organization. Um, I'm, I'm, there's, um, my friend Brandon is speaking. He's the site director at Syngenta. And, um, you know, there's that's the fun part about Chaka Chas is people from our community. And so, you know, we're probably one or two deg- degrees of separation from every single person that's speaking. So it's always kind of like you go out to see your friend or your neighbor speak, but then you get to... You know, you get an earful of all these different people that you didn't know anything about what they were going to present. Last year, um, my friend Armando, who's the owner and operator of May's Restaurant, came and spoke about uh, his experience um, as a Mexican, as an immigrant, and, you know, opening up in, uh, in Champaign. And it was, you know, just a phenomenal story. And so it's a lot of storytelling, and it's, um, it's a really great. You know, you've you got a nice cold beer, and it's, it's, it's a nice thing.
1: Well Seth, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time. This is a busy week for you and uh, I uh, just hope a lot of people uh, turn out and uh, find a little nugget here or one there. You don't have to go to the whole thing or anything like that. That's right. You just uh, pick out whatever you uh, appeals to you, right?
2: Yeah, and yeah, one of the things we've tried to do over the last couple of years is make as much of it as possible that we can to be completely free. So you can genuinely every single day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You don't really have to spend a dime to come and see a bunch of great bands or authors or try out. And, you know, we have an amazing innovation and tech demo at Krannert Center on Thursday with, like, virtual reality and robotics and um, uh, battery-powered scooters and all that's free and open to the public. So the hope is that people come out and explore. And that way, if they don't feel like they want to spend 20 bucks on a ticket, they don't have to. They can go and get some food from... Farrens or Black Dog or Papadels that'll all be set up on site in downtown Champaign, or they can just watch a band and go hang out with their friends and not feel obligated to have to spend any money. So um, that's the hope, is that it's it's more accessible and it's more affordable as time goes on.
1: Yep, sounds uh, wonderful, Seth. Uh, Thanks uh, very much for your time this morning, and I hope you have a great week, and uh, don't forget to uh, smile politely now. (laughs)
2: <laughs> thanks jim it's an honor to be
1: here i'll talk to you later bye bye yep take
2: care bye
1: seth fine is his uh, name and uh he is uh the driving force behind as we find out not only a music festival but uh, all kinds of other things so just uh, go online and uh, pick out one or two that uh, sound interesting to you and uh, get on down there as uh, you heard him say uh, Much of it is uh, free indeed. It's a 918, it's 79 degrees, it's going to be toasty today, 90 some, and uh, we're going to move now into our regular open line on Penny, and we'll have this open line up until uh, 10 o'clock this morning, then uh, CBS News as usual, then uh, Jim Dye will be in, so Jim Lewis, a a quick break here. We'll come back and I'll give the folks the uh, headline stories and uh, we'll jump right in see who's going to be first, see what kind of dialogue we can get going this morning on this open line. And remember, uh, volleyball, Illinois volleyball opens the Big Ten season tonight at Indiana. Six o'clock, Dave Lone on the uh, call of that. Betty is first up this morning. Hello, Betty.
4: Hello. Um, Talking about music, um, the 1787 musical, We the People, at the historic Homer Opera House, going on last weekend and this weekend, really a lot of good talent, really a good musical. Um, Just really, really enjoyed it.
1: This is over at Homer, right?
4: At the Homer Opera House, it's historic. It's been renovated. Um, They put on a lot of good stuff. But this musical is about the writing of the Constitution. But it's really done well, a lot of good talent. Um, Yeah, if you're really interested in something like that, that's the place to go.
1: Yeah, I've uh, talked to the the man that's uh, responsible, Mr., I call him Mr. Pickle because he yeah. has a, he has a much longer name than that, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, pick, Yeah,
4: they've yeah. worked very hard on this and it's really really a good musical. A lot of good talent. Uh, a lot of people from all um, around here and other places. It's really really good.
1: Now, I've been wanting to uh, see not only uh, a musical or something over there but to see the uh, renovation it must be uh, quite nice.
4: Well, it's still going on. It's not completely done, but it's sure a lot better than it was when they started. <laughs> i
1: bet. Thank you, Betty. Appreciate it. As I uh, mentioned, the uh, two uh, major stories today, is nothing uh, we can uh, tell you about that that you don't already uh, know. The Mexico earthquake uh, death toll, last number I saw, of, uh, was 248, many more unaccounted for. And uh, the hurricane... Puerto Rico, you heard that report, is just uh, really in full force now. The miles per hour has been dropping just a bit, but it's still 120 miles an hour. Over in London, the police have made three more arrests in connection with Friday's bombing. And all kinds of President Trump stories, of course. Trump hits back at uh, the woman he calls Crooked Hillary. Blames her for North Korea's nuclear progress. The president says he is saddened by the lackluster ratings of the Emmys on Sunday night. Called the show the worst ever. Much of the snow of the show was devoted to jokes about him. So, <laughs> I don't know if he saw it or or not. But... Uh, Anyway, he said he was very sad that they had such a poor. The Emmys did. The the ratings were just um, awful, just miserable. And if if you can turn on a program now, tell me which program you can turn on these days that's involved in comedy and they're not talking about uh, Trump, Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, all of them, all the night shows. uh, I watched uh, Jimmy Kimmel last night. I think he's very talented, very funny, has a good show. I love the band, The Roots, and that's all his monologue is about, is about Trump. Night after night after night after night, and I well, I admit, Trump gives him a lot of uh, ammunition, but surely there are other things that are funny, and I don't know if people are like me, but I'm getting really tired of this night-after-night stuff. Irene is next. Hello, Irene.
0: Hi. Well, my solution is I turn them off as soon as they come on. What? I turn them off.
1: Yeah, well, why'd you call this morning, Irene?
0: Okay, well, I'm going to tell you that my mother-in-law died the same day that I had my have problem with my defibrillator, yeah, you've got your ra- I have your book. Excuse me, just just a,
1: just a moment. You have your radio on so loud that we're getting feedback. Can oh. you can you oh. turn your radio down and just talk to me oh, on the yeah. phone? Bob, would just
0: turn the radio down? Uh, I have your um, book that you wrote.
1: Okay, good.
0: Uh, what year did you write that?
1: I don't remember. You can look in the front of it; it would have a date. It's been a long time ago now. Well,
0: anyway, I'm going to read it. My mother-in-law had it in her. We went through her stuff, and she had an autographed copy of your book.
1: Oh well, good. I'm uh, I'm uh, pleased that uh, she had that. I hope she enjoyed it. I hope that you do as well. Appreciate your call this morning at the nine twenty-seven eighty degrees. Every time I look up there, we're getting warmer and warmer. It's going to be in the 90s today, and here we are in September. Eric, good morning.
5: Eric, it's Eric. How you doing, Jim?
1: Yes, uh, fine. How are you, Eric?
5: Just fine. Now, I want to tell you about these folks that always say, uh, I, I turn that off, and I turn the station, and this and that, I don't have a TV, and I haven't had one for 35 years, and I want to suggest to people that they don't really need a TV, that most of what's on there is just that sewer pipe from Los Angeles, and it's it's not productive, it's not value-creating, it's not positive.
1: Well, uh, there's a bunch of junk on uh, television. There's a bunch of uh, good stuff, too. I've been watching on uh, WILL, the Ken Burns' latest on the uh, Vietnam War. It's uh, fantastic. I uh, the The Vietnam War just kind of passed me by. I was so busy, and kids were growing up and all those things, and I'm learning a lot from that. So there are things to be be learned and there are shows uh to be uh, watched but uh you're quite right there's far too many uh, channels that have uh just junk on i don't i wish we could uh, do a little a la carte you know just pick the ones you want and have if i could pick the t- channels that i want i'd have about i'd have a less than a dozen of the hundreds that are available that's for sure
5: well i'm in total agreement with you and i'm glad you're getting some historical documentary type benefit from it. But the point I really want to make to people is that that liberal bias comes through, not only in the content, which you've mentioned a few times with the comedians and that, it's the content of every show. It's also the content of the advertising. It's also the content of the news programming. So they beat you up with that, and they beat the kids up with that in school, such to the extent that that liberal bias is seeping into our culture as if it was like the right thing to do, and it's basically based on socialism, and which has been which I was so happy Donald Trump was at the UN yesterday telling them all it's a bunch of wrong never succeeded and i am so proud of what he said at the u.n that finally one of our presidents went there stood up to him and told him all they're all wrong he and sure, called he, it, sure, he, he, he
1: sure did he, uh, a lot of people uh, are giving him uh, credit for uh, some people calling him the the best speech that he's uh, made and uh, giving him a lot of credit for it and then, of course the the uh, media that you're talking about are uh, picking out all the bad things that. Uh, uh, or uh, totally ignoring it. Yeah, right.
5: Not reporting
1: on it. Mm-hmm. But
5: I'm telling you, that's that's the way that things are going to start going. They've, they've put up the brakes on his first, quote, year. But those brakes are going to come off as soon as they lose all these elections coming up. The, the, the Dems have nothing, they have no candidates. They've got no platform, and they're going to find out that this resistance movement and and this bashing of the current president, which is basically unpatriotic, is not going to win them any elections. They're going to, quote, lose their base, and they're going to lose their House seats and Senate seats, and eventually they're going to find out that this whole liberal bent, this bias, this socialism is it's going to be replaced by prosperity you know those gdp numbers came out and it was over three percent who knew they're not saying that on the news
1: hey eric i got a break here for the news okay uh, well thank you I'm, I'm glad you called make some interesting uh, points uh 932 brian barnard has the uh news head of brian have you uh have you uh, stumbled onto the Vietnam thing yet uh, the, I, the Ken Burns is uh, doing on on PBS? I have
5: not, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it, oh, including fantastic. what you just uh, mentioned.
1: It's just fantastic. Oh. He, everything he – I don't know. The, has he ever done a bad one?
5: I don't think so. <laughs> he puts a lot of work into <laughs> it. I know that. Oh, my that.
1: goodness. And he's got uh, so much uh, financial support at the end of the thing, it takes him 10 minutes to tell – how many uh, people contributed to this? How many foundations and uh, and others that uh, contributed money? But th- this is a mystery war to me. I know something about the Korean uh, conflict because I was uh, I was over there and not, not while the fighting was going on, but I've studied that more and uh, and like you, I've uh, studied the Second and First World Wars and the Civil War a little bit uh, when talking about Lincoln and so on, but the the Vietnam War is just a, it's a really a mystery and uh, the things they say in there, you just almost fall out of your chair. I mean, it, you know, it was, uh, we didn't know who we were fighting and, uh, people we were being lied to by the, you know, the people all the way from the president on down. And, uh, it was just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's something to watch though. It's, Channel uh, W.I.L.L. has it on, and I believe tonight is the third episode.
3: I've heard
5: a lot about it, and I know some people have talked about how I know early on they talked about the French involvement in Vietnam, and a lot of people, you know, that follow that war, you know, thought, well, it began when we got involved. Well, they had fought the French for several years
3: before we got there.
1: That's right, and And, we were were reluctant uh, to go, and it just— First, it was, uh, you know, the, the advisors were going to help the, uh, the, uh, the uh, South Vietnam uh, people prepare themselves for, for war. And then after the advisors, a few more things and a few more things. And first thing you know, it's a, it's an all-out war. Right, yep. But anyway, uh, you have some news headlines. I'm sure not about Vietnam, but uh, I thought uh, you're so interested in history that I'd bring it up with uh, you this morning. Yep. Nope. Uh, 9.34, uh, and the uh, news headlines with uh, Brian Moore, open line after that. Phones open. Uh, this open line goes until uh, 10 o'clock this morning, Then Jim Dyer will be in. And, of course, uh, you're encouraged to uh, call him. We'll talk about uh, some of these uh, things in the news today and some of the things that Jim has uh, been writing. It's, uh, he writes the editorials and writes columns for the News Gazette a judge in uh, Florida ruled on uh, Monday that the state's updated uh, stand-your-ground law, which required prosecutors to disprove a defendant's self-defense case at pretrial hearings, is unconstitutional, setting up a showdown that could make its way to the Supreme Court. Miami-Dade Circuit Judge Milton Hirsch ruled that the amendment to the law allowed lawmakers to overstep their authority, adding that it should have been crafted by the Florida Supreme Court in the first place. As a matter of constitutional separation of powers, that procedure cannot be legislatively modified, Hirsch wrote. The Florida Supreme Court had ruled in 2015 to shift the burden to defendants, requiring them to prove in pretrial hearings that they were defending themselves in order to avoid prosecution on charges for a violent act. Florida Governor Rick Scott had signed the amended legislation backed by the National Rifle Association, and that was back in June. Prosecutors then were said that they were uh, against the updated law because they believed it made it easier for defendants to get away from with murder. Prosecutors also had to provide clear and convincing evidence that a defendant was not using the force as an act of self-defense. The law was first passed in 2005. It gave people the right to shoot first if they believed their lives were in danger at that moment. Florida law states, A person is justified in the use of deadly force and does not have a duty to retreat if he or she reasonably believes that such force is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself or herself. It also gave judges the right to dismiss charges against the defendant if they believed reasonable self-defense was used in the case. It states, uh, without the Stand your ground law. People must retreat first before using force. Remember, they had some uh, very contribu- uh, controversial uh, cases down there. The the big one, uh, spotlighting a George Zimmerman back in uh, 2012, and uh, that was the neighborhood watchman, as he called himself, uh, shot and killed the unarmed teenager. Trayvon Martin, in uh, central Florida. And Zimmerman's attorney argued that his client used force because he reasonably believed his life was in immediate danger. A jury ultimately acquitted Zimmerman of second-degree murder. We're at uh, 356-9397. You can uh, text us, remember, on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, which is 351-351. 5357, 943, 81 degrees at the radio center as we take a quick break. Well, what do uh, some of you uh, think of uh, Trump's speech to the UN? It's the first uh, time he had spoken to that group. This was uh, yesterday. He threatened to, quote, totally destroy North Korea if the U.S. is forced to defend itself or its allies, he railed against the North Korean regime and called its leader Kim Jong-un Rocket Man, repeating the mocking nickname he used on Twitter days earlier. And he said it was far past time for the world to confront him over his nuclear weapons program using combative language, which is uh, typical for Trump, but rare for the U.N. Trump also called out other nations, including Iran, Syria, and Venezuela, and blasted the Iran deal, agreed to under former President Barack Obama, and hinted that he might declare Iran not in compliance, which would end the pact. Trump declared his trademark nationalism, saying that every nation should act in its own best interests, but should come together when necessary through the U.N. to fight what he called the vicious and complex problems in the world. He said, I will always put America first, just like you, the leaders of your countries, should always put your countries first. He says the United States has great strength and patience, but if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. So those of you that uh, back Trump uh, are thrilled with uh, what he had to say, Those of you that uh, don't like him, the anti-Trump people, uh, probably thought uh, it was awful what he said. And uh, the Republicans are still trying to get votes for a last-ditch Obamacare uh, repeal, but uh, it still looks like it's a couple votes uh, short, Senate Republicans and uh, the President are continuing to try to get the 50 Senate votes needed to pass a last-ditch repeal of Obamacare. It appears to be coming down to mostly the same senators who played the pivotal role in defeating efforts this summer. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has said he won't bring the measure to the floor if he doesn't have the votes, refused yesterday to commit to bringing it up, indicating they're not there yet. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky is opposed. And Senator Susan Collins of Maine, one of three GOP senators who killed the previous final repeal effort, is expected to be a no also. That means that the GOP can't lose any more votes. And as last time, the focus is on Senator John McCain of Arizona and Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska both of whom voted with Collins to kill the repeal bill this summer but aren't saying yet where they stand now. As in July, much of the focus was on John McCain. Would he step back in line with fellow Republicans now that there is a bill co-written by Lindsey Graham of South Carolina who is his best friend in the Senate? McCain wasn't saying. Murkowski of Alaska, another crucial vote, wasn't disclosing her views either we go to the phones for scott hello scott
6: hi good morning a couple of things i wanted to echo betty um earlier when she was talking about 1787 and i'll admit to a bias i know some of the cats very well but the music is wonderful the voices are powerful and if anything the ladies are even better than the men um the only thing i would add to that is that Bring a hand fan because it gets pretty warm up there. and You'll be much more comfortable if you got a hand fan. The the second thing was I was downtown Champaign this morning and I picked up the Public, which is a small publication that is devoted to anti-capitalism, anti-militarism, and whatever. I read it. It reminded me of the AP story that showed in the News Gazette on Sunday that was describing the I'll uh, say demonstrations in St. Louis, and as much as as the I mean as much as the Public is kind of twisted factual information, the AP more and more just publishing outright lies. Their account of those demonstrations were just outright lies, even within their own, their own story. You know, they started out with saying that they were peaceful, largely nonviolent. And as you get into the story, two-thirds of the way down, you discover there's a lot of property damage. There's blocks throwing at the police, etc. But you have to read those. You have to read opposing viewpoints uh, and listen to them so that you can learn to think critically, not only to defend your own positions, but sometimes to listen to new positions. And we're losing that ability in this country, especially on college campuses. I mean, the U of I is safe stones sadden me and anger me both, and Berkeley is even worse. So at any rate, I thought it would praise one thing, hopefully maybe open up something else for more discussion.
1: Yeah, well, I uh, I agree with you on the, particularly on that uh, last uh, point. I agree with you on both those uh, points. As a matter of fact, uh, all you had to do was uh, watch a little uh, television coverage of the the situation in St. Louis, and see people throwing rocks through windows and uh, cars on fire, and uh, there were was, a lot uh,
6: of injuries. I mean, by yeah. the time that was published, the story was was on its face. Yeah, I an lie.
1: And the police have uh, had to arrest. Uh, it was in excess of a hundred people. Uh, yeah, the last number that I saw. As far as the uh, the free speech is a uh, concern, I uh, have had uh, a lot of conversation on this uh, program about that. In fact. Uh, uh, Justice Steigman and I talked about it at some length yep. uh, yesterday. I caught snippets
6: of that.
3: Yeah,
1: and yeah. Uh, you're exactly right. I, and I am, I made uh, people mad or sad or thought I was crazy the other day when I said, "You know, if there was a way, I would like to have been in a, a room with uh, Adolf Hitler and he, just hear him hear what he had to say." And, uh, and other people like that that you just despise, you can't stand them. But let's hear what they have to say, and then uh, you know it's. I, I think it. I helps, think it's it important to everyone. To at least, it's at least important, once. Important to see, uh, hear, and uh, see both sides, is it not?
6: I think so, because like I said, otherwise you never learn to think critically. If the only thing you do is live in an echo chamber, um, it's sad for starters, and you're going to be less well off. And the world's going to be less well off because we're making decisions based on faulty information.
1: What's uh, what was that paper you said you picked up this morning?
6: Called the public. It was the first time I picked it up, and you know a lot of the articles are outrageous. But but you have to read them, you know, particularly when there are discussions of the military. I don't know some of the statistics, some of the stats. I've got a good friend that is quite liberal and. Um, we often discuss things, and after the second glass of wine or beer, we're looking at each other, going, "You're really smart. How can you think what you think?" But you have to listen, um, otherwise, you just you never hear those information bits, and you need those.
1: And the problem on uh, college campuses is, is uh, we've gone, become so politically correct that if uh, you know half a dozen people, or maybe even fewer than that, say. We don't want that person to come here. We we're, we're offended by the, that. It should bring somebody like that to our campus. Uh, chances well, are they're going to get uh, they're going to get canceled.
6: That's outright suppression. And if you think about it, when uh, when something con- when people conquer another people, the first thing they try to do is shut down any opposing thought. They tear down earlier monuments and they do and attack anything that is a unifying symbol. And that's what we're seeing on college campuses.
1: Exactly right. I'm glad you brought it up, Scott. Uh, thank you so much. We're at three five six nine three nine seven. 9397 Text me at uh, 351-5357. That's a good topic, and we had a big discussion about that uh, yesterday, and I don't know what the people at the university administration uh, think about that, or I'm sure they have, have had uh, meetings about it, and and uh, tried to make uh, the right decisions, but uh, and I don't, you know, I th- I think there are probably some times where you, if you think there's going to be violence, that that uh, enters into the uh, the decision about whether uh, a person should uh, be allowed to come to the campus to speak. But it is the First Amendment, it is free speech. Zoe is next. Hi, Zoe. Hi.
7: Um, I wondered if you've had anyone on to talk about this Curtis Road corridor study they're doing.
1: Uh, no, I haven't.
7: Well, and I don't understand it, so don't ask me to explain it to you. But it's they're having a hearing on it, uh, or having hearings on it in the in the area, in uh, Champaign Urbana Savoy. Um, I think they're having a hearing. I, as I recall, it seems like it's on the twenty first that evening. But I would like it if you would have somebody on to explain it to us because I don't I'm looking at this study thing right now, and I'm not technical enough to even understand what I'm reading. Really, so I mean, only in a really. Well, I've uh, read a
1: little bit about it, but I don't understand it uh, completely. Well, I think
7: that it would be really important if you could have someone on to explain it to we lay people. What's the purpose of this? I wonder. I don't know. That's what I want to know, and it makes me a little. A little uneasy because I don't understand it. And I think if I did, I would be not worrying about it as much. And I would like to know how it will impact us.
1: All right. Uh, I'll see if I can uh, do that. Uh, I'll try to find out uh, who's I, doing it. You could call the Regional
7: Planning Commission well, probably. Yeah,
1: sure. There, there's a lot of uh, people that, uh, but I don't know if they have a spokesperson or if you can call. We'll, we'll try to find out. Thank you. Also, you can learn from the experience of others, mom and dad, no exception. Maybe they don't know about the Curtis Road project that she's talking about, but as a parent or a grandparent or a loved one, Busey offers sound financial advice to share with your high school student or a college student or a college graduate even. Most high school students benefit from tips to properly manage their money. Encourage them to get a part-time job or save for college or use cash and debit cards only and budget. Studies may be the main focus for college students, but don't let them lose sight of their finances. Avoid a financial mess by suggesting that they budget for the basics, take timeouts to balance a checkbook and pay bills, spend wisely and Build credit by using their cards wisely, and save for an emergency. College graduates can put their smart money habits from college to use and repay student loans, check in on their credit, save automatically, enroll in and contribute to a workplace retirement plan, and continue to budget and manage expenses. Busey Wealth Management's team of professionals can review your financial picture, no matter what your stage in life, and work with you to create a plan designed to achieve your long-term goals. Call 1-800-67-BUSEY or visit one of their many convenient locations today. Well, we're in the uh, final minute of this uh, open line uh, section of the uh, program. And we're going to uh, break uh, for the news at the top of the hour. And then uh, Jim Dye will be in. Jim, as uh, those of you that listen to the program uh, know that he is on every uh, couple of weeks to uh, talk about what's in the news, get his opinion. Uh, He's a very smart guy and uh, follows uh, uh, law cases, uh, follows uh, the legislature, follows uh, writes editorials, uh, writes columns, uh, very good guy to uh, to uh, call on. And uh, if you have a question uh, for him, please give us a call, 356-9397. So he'll be on after the uh, news coming up now here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. Welcome back to our number two of a uh, penny of your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Uh, phone lines open at three, five, six, nine, three, nine, seven. Castle heating and cooling text line is three, five, one, five, three, five, seven. Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the news Gazette is here in the studio. And we appreciate Jim coming by every a couple of weeks and we go over what uh, he has written, uh, some of the things that he's interested in and we take your calls. So, uh, Whatever you have to uh, to ask him, uh, please uh, feel free to do so. He's a, a man for all seasons, this guy.
8: <laughs> well, that may be a bit of an overstatement, but I'll do the best I can.
1: i got a bunch of stories here. I just picked them from one place to, or another. Here's a, here's a picture and a story on Erica Harrell. Mm-hmm.
8: I saw that in the Tribune today.
1: The uh, Democratic primary for Illinois Attorney General is suddenly the hottest race in the state after Lisa Madigan's shocking decision not to seek re-election. But the, could the real winner wind up being Republican Erica Harold?
8: Well, I think Erica is a very attractive candidate. She's very, uh, She's got uh, tremendous educational credentials, and she's labored in the vineyards as a lawyer for a while. She's been involved in other issues. Plus, I think she uh, uh, would appeal to some traditional Democratic voters in the minority community. And she's a really impressive person. But this remains a Democratic state. And I think the Democrats uh, have the advantage if they nominate a reasonably uh, credible candidate. So I think uh, certainly running against whoever replaces Lisa will be easier than running against lisa because lisa pretty much had the office locked up i mean i i had kind of viewed uh, erica's decision to take on uh, lisa as uh, a long shot at best but the uh, the odds have changed now but it's up to the democrats to find a good candidate and of course everybody and his brother on the democratic side wants to be attorney general because that's they perceive that as a good office to use as a launching pad to hire office just like the secretary of state's office and lisa's wrapped up the office of Sec- of attorney general for uh 16 years, so she's blocked that path of upward mobility. And then Jesse White has done the same thing with the Secretary of State's office. You know, Jesse White, who's never going to die and never going to not st- not run for re-election. So he's blo- uh, they, those two have blocked two vital paths for upward mobility in the Democratic Party. And that's why you're seeing – it's one of the reasons why you're seeing all the interest on the Department of Democrats. Jesse
1: has to keep the tumblers going. You Jesse know. has to I keep mean, the we, tumblers going. Where would we be without Jesse White's tumblers? You
8: know, I think we should just make Jesse White the Secretary of State for life. I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, he obviously likes the job, and the office runs well under his leadership, and he has the tumblers, and I say, why make a change?
1: <laughs> why do you think uh, Lisa Madigan made a change?
8: Well, I don't know. She wants yeah. to be governor, but that path is blocked because uh, her father is the Speaker of the House, and he obviously is not going anywhere, and he doesn't care if Lisa wants to be governor. He's not leaving the Speaker. So she really doesn't have a path to the governor's office, and maybe she just has had her fill of politics for a while. She said she doesn't want to be a judge. I kind of thought she might be interested in running for the Illinois Supreme Court, uh, but uh, there's no vacancy there, and she said she doesn't want the job. U.S. senator slots are filled, so there's only one place uh, that's really available, and that's not available, and that's the governor's office. So she's going to sit back and maintain her viability. Her name will still be Lisa Madigan two years from now, and uh, she'll have a track record to run on. Uh, I guess she's had enough for a while, and there's no reason why she shouldn't have. There's more to politics. There's more to life than politics.
1: Thank goodness. Even
8: though some politicians don't think so.
1: Let's go to the uh, phones for uh, Jim Dye. This is a Bill. Hi, Bill.
3: I just had a, uh, a thought, and it's probably beyond beyond hope. But uh, what if Michael Madigan is? He's not a young man anymore. What if he's tired of screwing up the state? and decides to uh, not run for House, and then at least could run for governor right away.
8: Well, uh, that's certainly uh, that's a viable scenario, but I think the flaw or the fly in the ointment there is that Mike Manning is never going to get tired of <laughs> of running. the. Uh, he's almost 80 years old now. He's been holding office since the early 70s. He's been Speaker all but two years uh, for the past 30-some years, and uh, he's just as... Uh, uh, intent on exercising power now, as he always been, and you can tell that from the the political battles he's waged with Governor Ronner I mean, he's determined to beat Ronner in uh, 2018 and elect Democratic governor, and that's why he's pretty much opposing everything that Ronner's for and making sure that Ronner has no uh, victories that he can cite to the public. So I, I don't see Speaker Madigan abs, absent some cataclysmic event uh, not running for re-election. Well, they
3: always... The old thing you can wish in one hand, but I guess this is probably not going
8: to happen either. thanks, Deb. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, um, even Mike Madigan is not immortal, so uh, he can't cheat the laws of nature forever, <laughs> I don't think. But if anybody could, he could. Now, Lauren Tate's still uh, cheating. Well, see, now, that's really something, because Mike Madigan is hanging on longer than Lauren Tate. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> he's not as old as lauren though that's true but lauren is the i always call lauren the world's oldest teenager
1: <laughs> well evidently uh, lauren is going to be uh, now writing a column on uh, sunday and uh, doing his little uh, podcasts or blogs or whatever they call those well you know
8: lauren says he's gonna write on sunday but I have a feeling it won't be long before he's back to Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. So
1: we'll have to see about. That. Oh, uh, <laughs> a prediction from Jim Dy yeah. has some probably some inside information. No,
8: I don't actually. Uh, I just think Lauren has too much uh, journalism in his blood. He's too energetic and interested in what's happening. And I think that he's gonna. Uh, well, maybe he won't. I don't know. You know, not working is. I understand it. It has its. Attra- it has its attractions. So.
1: No, uh, what are they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I
8: don't know. I mean, I've kind of committed to working, and Lauren always has been. But, Or maybe not working as. See, I always thought it would be great to just kind of work when you want to and not when you don't. And maybe that's what he'll do.
1: So that's what uh, Jim Dye will do. When you, you retire, you'll be, you know, occasionally writing something. And well, you see know. See if you can get somebody to publish it.
8: I mentioned that to John Foreman once. I kind of like to work when I want to and not work when I don't want to. And he said, well, as far as he could tell, I wasn't doing any work for so. him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as far as he, he could tell, you are already doing That's that. That's right. right. So I, I, well, here, here's another uh, story. This is also in the uh, the Tribune this morning, and the headline on this is 2018 will see exodus of lawmakers. The Rounder Madigan fights have created a toxic atmosphere, and uh, people uh, evidently are bailing out of the General Assembly.
8: Well, there's always been a fair amount of uh, turnover in the. Um in the General Assembly, and people often cite that as a reason for uh, not having term limits because they say oh, people come and go with some frequency. Uh, there's a flaw in that argument there about the term limits that they, that they make, but I, I suppose maybe the unpleasantness of uh, the, uh, well, you know, what I said is pitched battle between Rauner and Manning, and some legislators uh, don't care to be a part of that, but the other problem is that The average legislator doesn't really have much say about what happens in Springfield anyhow, you know, a lot of that's part of the problem. Well, yeah, they, I mean, it's a, it's a leadership, uh, it's top down leadership run. Uh, the rank and file are told what to do. Uh, some of them don't mind it at all because they're just there to collect their third or fourth or fifth pension and they're just biding their time. Other guys who actually want to (laughs) have, and I would put this Chad Hayes in that category, people that actually, uh, you know, he's the legislator from Catlin who's not running for reelection. Um, Some people actually want to have an impact and think they're there to uh, be independent voices, and when they find they're not, uh, you know, they they think they can find other things to do that are more productive.
1: Uh, Well, Jim Durkin, who is the House Republican uh, leader, uh, talked to the uh, the, uh, meeting up at the uh, Chicago uh, City Club of Chicago. Some members of that club had a luncheon, and he was a speaker, and he says, I will say what happened over the past three years in the logjam, I think some of the antagonism and the stress and the anxiety that people down there have, it just wasn't working for them. It's, uh, it's tough in Washington. I think we're seeing it uh, in Springfield as well.
8: Well, it's true. And uh, if you don't feel like, feel like you have uh, anything to say about the process uh, and you uh, are constantly getting it from your constituents about what are you bums doing over there and you don't deserve to be paid because you don't do your jobs, uh, that probably gets a little tiresome.
1: Well, you get called into a special session knowing quite well when you get there that nothing is going to happen.
8: Yeah, you get called there knowing that two minutes after you, the special session has been brought into session. They adjourn. They adjourn. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why they let rank-and-file legislators call themselves the mushrooms. You know, they're kept in the dark and covered with manure. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's the reality we have. And until the... Uh, until the leadership uh, of, the, of the General Assembly is willing to give up some of the, the autocratic power that it holds, and I'm talking about the majority, Speaker Madigan principally, get, and, and he, he's the one man who can decide which bills get called in the House, and you know, he decides everything, um, then that's going to be the situation. I mean, people that have independent-minded people are not really going to want to be there.
1: 1020, 85 degrees already here at the Radio Center, going up into the 90s. Uh, you remember a uh, September that's uh, been uh, quite like this? It's been uh,
8: pretty warm, hasn't it? Wow, toasty. They should have kept the um, Champaign Park District, should have kept the pools open a little longer.
1: <laughs> and no, no lifeguards or anything. Just nah, Who the needs pool. them? <laughs> so <laughs> much your own risk. <laughs> if you have any uh, questions you'd like to ask of uh, or a comment uh, for. Uh, Jim Dye, 356-9397. Karen is next. Hi, Karen.
0: Hi. Good
1: morning.
4: Good. Um, thanks for your article, Updating the James Brothers.
8: Oh, well, you're welcome.
4: I live uh, two blocks away, and I've been wondering, did the mother die? Yes,
8: she has passed away. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay, and how did the lawsuit brought uh, on behalf of Harlan? In- Harlan
8: James. Uh, that was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum.
7: Okay. Thank you very much.
8: Yeah, she's the lady is referring to uh, Alan and Gerard James, um, two brothers. Uh, Let's see if I can keep it straight. Gerard. Okay, Uh, Gerard, yeah. Who wrote that thing, Mm -hmm. anyhow? Gerard James shot and killed his cousin Harland. five or six years ago, 2011, in a farm field near Muhammad and was later found not guilty by reason of insanity. His brother, Gerard, uh, recently was uh, found unfit to stand trial on a gun charge and is waiting transfer to a state mental hospital. So uh, these brothers had something called a shared psychotic disorder. And uh, I know the the one who was just uh, sent, just ordered, sent to a state mental hospital, Had really had his neighbors on edge in the Lynn Street, uh, on South Lynn, South Lynn, I think, in Champaign, uh, because of his kind of uh, threatening demeanor and uh, very kind of paranoid lifestyle. And uh, so now both of those guys are uh, going to be receiving mental health treatment.
1: And Harlan James was a terrific uh, man. He uh, was one of the first people I met when I uh, came to town. Yeah, here.
8: Harlan was a pillar of the community. He was the area manager for Illinois Bell for years and was involved in various uh, civic causes. And
1: uh, um, if you ever want to know anything about the uh, the phone company, uh, he, was, uh, he was the guy to call. Yeah. It's and he was a, very accessible. Yeah, decent guy. And, boy, the
8: last guy you ever think would be the victim of a, a homicide. But, yeah, he was... Uh,
1: you remember how that happened? Yeah, the two brothers. Didn't he just walk up into the field to talk to them? it's one of those
8: things, classic case, wrong place, wrong time. Harlan James, this is back in 2011. He was getting ready to, the next day he and his wife were going to go to Florida for the winter. Uh, He cleaned up his, uh, he was doing some work in his yard, cleaning up yard waste and that sort of thing. And he took it out in the country to a place where you could burn that sort of thing. On the way there, he sees his two cousins who were uh, harvesting crops And unbeknownst to Harlan, these two guys were severely mentally ill and uh, harbored deep suspicions about Harlan and, in fact, were armed to the teeth at the time. Uh, And Harlan just uh, got out of his car and went over to say hello to his cousins and uh, got shot. And got shot, yeah.
1: Well, they had uh, suspicions about everybody, though, right? Well, they did, yeah. I mean, that was uh, not just him. Yeah.
8: They were were focused on him. But, yes, it's, it's been my understanding from talking to people who have known them and Hearing stories about them, that uh, yes, they were very, they were very distrustful of everyone, and it's fair to say, you know, people that are fearful can be extremely dangerous because they're so fearful. And I guess they fear everyone is feared. Everyone was going to in some way harm them or cheat them or whatever, and they were packing all kinds of heat. And they saw Harlan coming, and and uh, they were afraid, and, and they were afraid, and Gerard shot him. Yeah.
1: We'll take a break here. Uh, Jim Lewis handling the controls as Ed Bon is once again down talking to Mickey and Minnie and uh, all the folks down at the Disney World.
8: Well, that sounds like a pretty good gig.
1: Well, he has to uh, go down there on, on occasion to uh, just to make sure that uh, that uh, great treatment he gets when he gets there that doesn't stop. <laughs> you have to come up and go down there at least six, seven times a year. And, uh, i've been know, to
8: disney world a couple times i have to confess that it was, well, it's, it's, it's kind enjoyable of,
1: kind of a fun place but uh not that, that many times i don't know it <laughs> likes it down there good for him I mean, he, he deserves some time off works hard 10 uh, 25 we'll come right back after this it's uh 10 and uh, brian barnhart has the news headlines back with uh, jim die and take more of your calls right after the news Hi, it's Dave Gentry. Join us on the DWS Morning Show for the News Gazette's Julie Worth. That's Thursday morning on DWS. Don't forget the uh, Big Ten uh, volleyball season uh, for the Illini opens uh, tonight. They open at uh, Indiana, over in Bloomington, Indiana. And... Uh, We've got a pretty good team, and uh, Indiana is 11-1. and one. I looked at their schedule. They have not uh, played any of the ranked teams and uh, have not played as tough a schedule as the Illinois, but uh, nonetheless, they are 11-1. They're playing at home, and they'll be uh, tough to beat, and so uh, uh, good luck to the Illini women tonight. You know, no, the,
8: uh, the the women's volleyball players, they're, they're really off to a slow start in terms of home scheduling this year, aren't they? Well, I mean, it's ridiculous. They had, uh, what the one series, uh, the tournament they hosted with Stanford, and then they don't play again. That's t- the only one. Yeah, and they don't play till October 5.
1: I mean. Well, they had uh, seven straight, uh, they played three matches uh, the other day down in uh, Springfield, Missouri, won all three, and now they open the Big Ten season with four road games. Mm. Yeah,
8: so it's a, kind of a surprising thing, but I guess we'll get some Get some uh, games later on this season.
1: Well, we will if they don't. I I think you need to build up confidence in winning. Now they've uh, they've done that, and uh, Kevin Hamble used to do the same thing. He says uh, the RPI is an important thing.
8: Yeah. Well, they they looked good against Stanford. I mean, I thought Stanford was just better, and they played him three close sets and lost all three. But they were. I thought they were looked like a decent team. Of course, they lost the next day to Colorado in a five in a really br- brutal five setter mm-hmm. so they look good to me but
1: now indiana got beat by samford not stanford
8: yeah yeah
1: and then they played uh that uh, west coast uh or the, the florida uh, f uh what do they call it florida something one of those smaller schools it's a classic yeah it's a classic,
8: Jim. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> and uh, they uh, they beat them in uh, in five in the la- the last two matches, but well anyway, a, I, I want to, one,
8: can I say one more thing about that Sure oh, um you know, I'm a big fan of women's volleyball on campus I mean I think they're uh, I think they're tremendously athletic, and the game is very exciting, so I would just say if people haven't ever given them a chance, uh, I think they're well worth the time and the effort to go see play.
1: They absolutely are, and uh, one thing about women's uh, volleyball or volleyball uh, any place is that there's action all the time. There
8: is action. that's fast. It's not so fast as to be overwhelming, like the men's game, which is just bang, bang, bang. And but the they have some tremendous volleys that are just they're just mind-boggling to watch. Uh, these girls play, women play, whatever you want to call them, at this this really physical game at a high level. It's it's really tremendously entertaining.
1: There's more athleticism there than you see in some of the other sports. Absolutely. I can tell you that absolutely.
8: Plus, you can't every day. You every day you won't see a woman who's six foot eight. And Stanford had a woman who's six yeah, foot. And another
1: six six. Yeah, that's right.
8: I understand the six eight girl calls the six six girl. She calls her shorty. Shorty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Loosen up rules and have a drink. That's uh, the headline in uh, one of your editorials. This was on the Tuesday, uh, September the nineteenth. Champagne is looking to adapt, uh, which they did. The To the changing marketplace of alcohol consumption. Yeah, that's... Have the, a drink in, the grocery drink in a grocery store.
8: Have a drink in a grocery store, which is quite the thing, apparently, in, in some places and going to be here. And I suspect there will be people who want to partake in that. It strikes me as somewhat odd, but then different things for different people.
1: I mean, I, I grocery shop and never, ever at uh, 8 or 9 o'clock at night when you use it or out That's when you're around to the the bar someplace, (laughs) yeah. The whole thing is odd to me, but, you know, you can do anything with
8: marketing. I mean, we have right now people buying bottled water for a dollar a pop you know so if you can sell one right here it's called yeah, Propel. If you sell dollar water for a bottle of pop then why can't you uh, this is
1: water beverage with electrolytes and vitamins we'll so see, you're you not go. getting any electrolytes and vitamins there you go
8: so if you can do that then why not sell drinking beer plain beer,
1: old right? water <laughs> let's go to uh rick hello rick
8: yes hi
3: jim and jim uh, uh jim i'm out for my morning walk so it's like on days i call and i can almost give you a morning forecast for your afternoon uh, bike ride later.
1: Oh, okay. okay.
8: It's going to be hot, isn't it? Well, actually, it's not a bike ride anymore. It's a dog walk, but that's okay. Oh, okay. Okay. What's um, the forecast? It's going to be hot, right?
3: Yes. Darn. Um, you, you were uh, talking about the women's volleyball, mm-hmm. and I remember being over at Huff Gym. I don't know when it was, three or four years ago, or longer than that. And it must have been one of the last appearances of the chief, but I was there for the volleyball game and i was out in the hallway and i looked down and there was the chief right by uh the set of end doors ready to you know go on uh and do his thing during the half and uh, it's just sad to think back on that now but uh he was in the chief pose and uh, of course you know he didn't speak to anyone and and no one was speaking to him i think the young man who was the assistant chief or was the sub if something happened to the main chief was kind of standing there you know um, nearby him but just uh look back on that and i remember then walking of course into the gym and and how the gym came alive when the chief came in and did his thing but that was of course some years ago but it's uh, kind of sad now to to think back on that that that's all gone
8: well you know a lot of people uh, still see the chief uh, when they play the music and of course that's what has the anti-chiefs so upset yeah. because people still yeah. think about the chief and they don't like people thinking about the chief.
1: Lauren Tate says he's there. He's just a ghost. You close your eyes and you can see him. Well,
8: actually, you can if you think about it, and um, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? That
0: This, at, this at collective
8: the, uh, this collective memory that uh, so many people at a,
1: well, at, at yeah, a sporting when, event When the had. chief uh, was uh, let go, a lot of people uh, on the board of trustees, Mr. Montgomery and another says okay uh, we're, we're uh, this is kind of a firestorm now but it'll go away in, a, in, in about a year that we you know you'll forget it well that's been years, 10 and years? years and years right. and years uh, and nobody has uh, forgotten about it
8: yeah that's interesting well, I think people uh, like mr. Montgomery what he's a lawyer from Chicago He probably didn't have a lot of contact with the local campus probably before he was on the board of trustees I suspect he didn't spend much time here and was removed from the from, removed from the tradition and so if you're removed from the tradition then you think well you know what's the big deal well it is a big deal and people here remember and uh, uh, the, the, as a matter of fact the more that some people try to obliterate the memory of the chief well, I they're
1: think, talking about the uh, the turnover of the uh, students yeah. that, uh, the students that are here now will remember but that new group that come in you know they're back in high school well they still shout chief they do they do Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the call. Well, back to this uh, uh, drinking in the uh, in the uh, in the grocery stores. When uh, this uh, story came out, the city council was about to do this, or perhaps this was a show right after they had decided to do it at a study session. Uh, I got maybe ten or twelve calls, to just right in a row, and that which is pretty unusual to we'll get that many on the same topic. Uh, one right after another, and uh, people just thought this was awful. Well, uh, there wasn't a single person on the city council that (laughs) thought so. It was a unanimous vote.
8: Well, I think what they're trying to do on the city council, and I'll give them credit for this, is they're trying to help the grocery store that want to do this uh, adapt to a changing marketplace. This is clearly something that uh, is a big shift, and most grocery stores won't be doing it, but never underestimate the power of marketing and uh, I don't think that we're gonna have people drunks uh, staggering down the aisles of the, of the uh, produce section <laughs> but
1: I mean people shop for groceries in the morning and in the afternoon and the early evening don't yeah, they
8: yeah well i I try to avoid that as much as I can <laughs> because I whenever I go to a grocery store I end up spending more time there than I want to just because I don't know where anything is mm-hmm. but uh I you know as I was just telling you off the air I was in Seattle you know a couple of years ago and I went to a grocery store with some friends and it was a nice grocery store and in the middle of the grocery store was a was a bar so I guess there's a market or you can create a market or there's something there that doesn't necessarily appeal to me that does appeal to some people.
1: I'm just visualizing it. Uh, somebody walking uh, with uh, a drink, and here comes a mother with uh, two little kids. Uh, they're push. She's pushing them in. There, they're in the car, <laughs> and they're saying, "Hey, mommy." Yeah, yeah that guy's <laughs> I'm, drinking. I'm thirsty. There you go. Let's go to a uh, Stan in uh, Homer. Hello, Stan.
9: Hey. Good morning, Doug. I just thought I'd uh, chime in here. I could. I could jump in with. I could jump in with a uh, very political comment, but this is kind of a neutral comment. You are still there, right? Yes. Okay. Fire away. Somebody's trying to call me. Um, I wanted to make sure we didn't get disconnected. But anyway, as I've told you, uh, Jim Turpin, sir, uh, I am a uh, supporter of the chief, and I always have been. And I probably could have gone higher in the uh, liberal uh, um, groups around town if I had been anti-chief, but I'm not that way. But I have to put the fault for not being able to keep the chief squarely at the feet of the alumni club. The other major universities that were able to keep their heritage intact did it through the auspices of the alumni club, but the Illini alumni club couldn't handle the the job. So, you
1: know, I if, don't know if, what if you mean by what alumni club are you talking about? Are you talking about the alumni association or? Yes,
9: the alumni uh, association.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell the you, alumni Stan. Uh, what? As, a, as I've said before, Stan, uh, it didn't matter how many people were for this or whether they were organized or weren't organized when the NCAA comes down and. Uh, tells you that uh, you can go ahead and have the uh, chief if you like and let him go ahead and perform, and you will never again have a postseason tournament on your campus. And they even threatened uh, bowl games and that that kind of thing. That's when the chief was let go.
9: I understand that. But the uh, other universities that have uh, Indian uh, heritage were able to find uh ways to get around that they were all threatened with the same thing
8: you know you have a, the alumni
9: alumni club wasn't able to stand up to the job
8: you have a you have a valid point there the uh, fighting Sioux of Nor- but but not all of them were successful in resisting i mean the the University of North Dakota fighting Sioux the university but put on it, a, put on a dogged were su- well, just, can I when just they finish?
9: were successful mm-hmm. it was the alumni associations that mm-hmm. got the job
8: done okay well, but let me just say but they lost and uh, eventually they lost now Florida State the Seminoles now they came up with a uh, a vigorous defense that involved the uh, Seminole Indian tribe uh, in Florida kind of putting their stamp of approval on on the uh, chief Osceola in Florida in Florida state so it's a mixed bag some some were successful and some weren't and uh, you're but you're right that the people in Florida who probably were not all that sympathetic uh, to the idea of giving up Chief Osceola in the first place, uh, they they were successful. So, yeah, I guess you could say. with the alumni association wasn't successful in getting um, the remnants of the Illini Indian tribe, um, which I'm not even sure that they're what that in what form that is anymore. But uh, no, Stan has a valid point, but it is not as one-sided as as he suggests.
1: I don't know what is a uh point is, what is valid about uh, one, are there other schools that have been successful in uh, fighting and uh, keeping their, uh, uh, Stanford had to change their name? Uh, I mean, it's uh, the only one I'm really familiar with. uh, Now, there are some high school teams around that still have, uh, and of course, uh, the NFL uh, Redskins and those kinds of things. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And the Cleveland Indians. (laughs) The Cleveland Indians, yeah. (laughs) Well, it
8: just depends on how much uh, you want to pay attention to people that are complaining. And Daniel Snyder, uh, the owner of the Redskins, doesn't uh, care what
1: they he think. said. We're not changing. Yeah, he says he has hey. no NCAA to report to,
8: and uh, he's not interested in Roger Goodell telling him uh, what he what he can name his team and not name his
1: team. Art is next. Hello, Art.
0: Hey, hello, Jim and Jim. Good
1: morning. What's up?
0: Uh, question: If you're if you're going to be allowing uh, drinking in grocery stores why is there no alcohol allowed at the football games
8: well once we're we're uh, comparing apples to oranges there i think uh that the there could be and they're talking about that but right now well, uh, well, actually, there is in, in tailgates. There's there's, ap- there's alcohol there. Oh, well, I'm
0: talking about in a stadium. Yeah, I mean, okay. you talk and, about and, yeah, let, me,
8: let me just go one step further. And there is in the, the boxes for the special donors, they get a drink. Ah, but in the stands, right. uh, in the regular stands, uh, there isn't because that's the rule, and that's always been the rule. But that rule may be changed one of these days. Well, you know. that
0: rule was changed when the Bears played there, right?
8: It was as, as, a, as yeah, a condition Steve. of state law. Uh-huh. It took a change in the state law to do that. <laughs> you know, okay. it was just amazing. I don't, did you ever go to any beer games while they were here? Uh, no. People lined up. Uh, oh, just the line, The beer lines were long. And people, I saw people actually go in the beer line, stand in line in the beer line, get their beer, and then go back to the end of the line and get in <laughs> a line for more beer. I mean, there were so many drunks at that. It, it was An NFL crowd is a different crowd than a college crowd. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was kind of stunned, actually, how bad it was.
1: Ten forty nine. We take a quick break here. We're coming uh, right back. We're at 356 three five six nine three nine seven. So we're back with uh, Jim Die. We got a whole switchboard uh, filled with calls, and we don't have much time. So if the callers will be brief, and uh, Mr. Dye will be. Oh, well, I shouldn't even say that. There's no way.
8: I'm going to be monosyllabic in my responses.
1: Uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's go to um, Eric. Good morning, Eric.
9: Good morning, gentlemen. Regarding the chief, I have never heard one specific criticism of the chief. Everything about his performance is positive. It's not like he's coming on to the field with a can of beer and staggering around. Have you all ever heard of a specific derogatory thing that your chief is doing?
1: Well, Well, the anti-chief people have a whole list of them.
8: Sure. The mere existence of the chief is what they object to.
1: Well, plus, uh, the uniform is not authentic, the dance is not authentic, uh, on and on and on.
8: But do you think if you had an authentic uniform and an authentic dance, do you think they'd say, oh, okay, that's no, fine? No, no,
1: no, no. I'm saying they have a long list. Oh, yeah, they do.
8: I mean, it's just they don't want him there, and they they think it's a caricature, and, uh, you know, it's a very much of a minority opinion, but but that uh, there's always somebody that's going to object to something, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, they object to the chief. Let's go to uh, Matt in Urbana. Hello, Matt.
3: Hey, good morning, guys. I just wanted to say, uh, long live the Chief, for one. He's always lived in my heart. And for two, the uh, Jim, you and uh, the judge remember what law they changed on that Sunday to uh, when the Bears came? Do you remember that law that was in, in effect for years?
8: The, the one by, the, you're referring to the drinking at the stadium?
3: Correct. Well, also, I'm just referring to, back in the day, remember, we had the blue law where you couldn't have a beer until noon on Sunday. Oh, well, yeah. A, a lot of
8: those laws day. have been, the so-called blue laws have been changed over the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. And I'll say, long live the chief, you know, and I think as uh, Jim Thompson had a chance to sign him in as our symbol, and he thought that wasn't necessary, but I wish you'd have done it years ago.
8: Yeah, I think that was Jim Edgar, but yes, you're right.
3: Edgar. All right. You gentlemen,
2: have a good day.
1: Thank you. And uh, Don. Hi, Don.
2: Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Good. I was, just curious, I was just curious how a lawyer voting for more drinking is not conflict of interest.
8: And I'll listen. <laughs> you. <laughs> You're referring to Tom so Bruno in the I, I city Game. i The yeah, Tom Bruno, not... and he's going to represent DUI people. Well, you know. Hey,
0: yes, of course.
8: I guess. More money, more money. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Probably true.
1: Grocery <laughs> stores need to find ways to get people in the aisles, says this uh, text. Amazon and online shopping is hurting brick-and-mortar stores. Stores across the country, such as Wigman's and Vons, have been doing it for a while.
8: Yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, you know, there is a lot of this online online shopping, and it's hurting all retail, really.
1: Toys it's, R Us has gone bankrupt.
8: Yeah, they, they're filing for bankruptcy again. I don't know if they're filing for reorganization or liquidation, but they have years and years ago they filed for a reorganization, and... Here they are again. So there must be something in the in the uh, the market has changed in a way that they are they're not able to
1: compete successfully anymore. One final break and back with another final word or two. We've got about a minute, uh, Jack and Champagne. Uh, you're next, Jack.
2: Hello, how you doing?
1: Go ahead, Yeah, all Only have about a minute. Okay. But-
2: it's got to be quick. Um, first off, the thing about the, the Florida Indians, okay, that tribe apparently is alive, and they can uh, say, fine, we like the Indian. Well, really, <laughs> you, you whip out some uh, multi-million-dollar gambling casinos, and they're going to go, yep, we like them. Now, here's my problem with Illinois. Why is the Illinois Indians are dead? Why does it have to be the Illinois Indians that says our chief is okay? They're all basically similar, same culture. Why can't some other tribe who's alive say with some modifications, we think this is good for whatever reason? We may have uh, casinos too, but how come another Indian can't say, okay, yeah, we think this is fine? Well, our, our you know, I can.
8: think the answer, I think, is they probably could. But, you know, one thing you have now is a lot of institutional resistance from the people that run the University of Illinois that don't want to deal with the chief,
1: chief issue. So I think— Yeah, we, uh, we almost had that thing done, and uh, Nancy Cantor— Nancy Cantor or Phyllis Wise? No, Nancy Cantor is the one that— Well, Nancy
8: Cantor was just anti-chief. From She was the original anti-chief.
1: Well, this is very interesting, but we have run over. Yes. See you in a couple of weeks. Okay.
8: Okay. I told you I was going to be monosyllabic. (laughs) (laughs) Good to be with you.
1: Thanks uh, very much. Uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette. We join the CBS News in uh, progress.